Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome to Bible Talk. This is Evangelist Anita Campbell here with you tonight, and I am so excited, always is, when it comes to the Word of God. And so as I um, do, as I always do, we always go before the Lord, because the Bible tells us that in all of our ways, everything that we're doing, to acknowledge the Lord, and then He will direct our path. So we want to do that just now. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Father, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We come into your courts with praise, and we are thankful unto you today because we know that the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And so, Father, as we come into your presence tonight, we are coming in with thanksgiving. We're asking God that you would have your way In our hearts today in this broadcast, we're asking, Father, that you would speak, that the Holy Spirit would speak to the heart of our listeners today. And, Father, we pray for those that are going through a hard place right now, that are going through fear and uh, tribulation in their lives, those that have lost loved ones, that are preparing for home goings right now. We are asking, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would grant them the mercy, the grace, and everything that is necessary for their services, Lord. We are asking you, Father, that you administer to the families in the name of Jesus. Father, those that are discouraged today, that are depressed, that are duress, that are going through hardship right now, Father, we are asking that the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, the one that is omnipotent, omnipresent, immutable, transcendent, and eternal, would minister to them today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we honor and praise you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the number to call here, 866-423-9578, to be a part of our program. Again, that number, 866-423-9578. And tonight, we are going to turn in our Bibles. We're going to look at true Christians. What are the characteristics of true believers? Because a lot of time, a lot of people tell you that they're Christians, and when you look at their behavior and their their life in general, 
it's hard to find something to that can tell you that um, they are true believers. So we are going to look at what the Word of God says about true believers. And Jesus says in um, John chapter 13, and this scripture was not on my list, but so it must came straight from the Holy Spirit. But in John chapter 13, Jesus is um, preparing to go um, to uh, die on the cross to take care of our sin problem. And so he um, is turning in with his disciples, you know, uh, chapter 1 through 11, Jesus is dealing with the public, but um, after chapter 12, he turns in and he said his hour has now come. And so he is letting them know the things that are important. And so he's laying this out to them. And in John chapter 13, right here um, in verse 31, Jesus said this, when he had left, and, and that's Judas, Judas had left. When Judas had left, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. And then he said, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. But here is what he did. He said here, I give you a new command, a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And then look at what he says here. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. So here is a new command, a new command. Jesus, um, in order for you to understand a new command, you had to know the old command. And the old command was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that was good. But Jesus takes it here to another level. He wants them to know, don't just love them like you love yourself. I want you to love them as I have loved you. And he has loved us sacrificially. He's loved us unconditionally. He's loved us eternally. His love never fails. And so here, so this is one of the mark. He said, everyone will know that you are a Christian. You are my disciple. If you have love one towards another. And a lot of believers say they love you. People will tell you, oh, I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But it's words. But until love has some action with it, you don't know love. And if we look at the, the key verse here in John chapter 3, verse 16, it said, for God so loved the world. So God so loved the world, but then what did he do? That he gave. He didn't just have the love, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling in his heart for mankind. He did something to demonstrate that he loved. And that's what love does. Love give a demonstration of, um, you know, so it's not just talking. Well, I love you, sister. I love you, brother. But love comes in some action. You are there for your brother and sister. You're checking on your brothers and sisters. You are, unless it's someone you have um, removed yourself from their presence for a while because of things that may not be going right. But Love for one another. And then in the meantime, you're still praying for each other. But that's the thing. So we are looking tonight at true Christianity. What does it look like? And Jesus already tell us here that this is one of the things that we know about Christians, that they have love for one another and not just warm, fuzzy feelings and not just words. Love that is demonstrated in some kind of action. So that is one of the things. 
All right, the number to call here, 866-423-9578 to be a part of the discussion. But if you just want to take notes tonight, that's fine too. Um, there's a lot we're going to cover because we're going to let our fingers do the walking in the Bible pages. So true Christians, are not, um, so I told you, that number one, that we have love for one another. But true Christians are born again. Jesus said this in John chapter 3. Um, here Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and Nicodemus is a Pharisee, this teacher of the law. And so he comes to Jesus at night, and he comes and he has a question. And he says here, John chapter 3, there was a man in verse 1, chapter 3 and verse 1. And Nicodemus is coming to Jesus because of the signs. Um, the key verse in John is John chapter 20. Verse 30 and 31, it says that many other signs Jesus performed, and he did them in the presence of his disciples. But John tells us clearly that these uh, miracles that he wrote down in the book of John, they were written for one reason only, that we might believe. And then he tells you what you need to believe. You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and then in believing that, we have eternal life. We have life in his name. So here Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and um, and let's just read what it, the text says. So here in John chapter 3 and verse 1, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And look at what Jesus tells him. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. You were born once, but now you're going to be, you have to be born twice, spiritual birth. And so Jesus tells him, truly, I tell you, unless someone is, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this born again is talking about being born from above. The word there, um, born again, um, uh, it's anothen, you know, uh, coming from above. And so this is coming from above. And so you can um, see in the dialogue, too, how Nicodemus is responding. So Nicodemus doesn't understand the question that, um, I mean, what Jesus just told him, that he must be born again. So he asked a question. He said, how can anyone be born when he's old. Nicodemus asked him, can he enter his mother's womb a second time? And Jesus says, truly, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. So here you have Nicodemus. He's um, a teacher of the law. He's one of the ruler of the Jew. So, so technically, you, you would, uh, he would appear to be saved. But here Jesus tells him that he must be born again. And so Jesus goes into the dialogue with Nicodemus. And then he goes, and then we know that Nicodemus was not saved because Jesus tells him in verse 10, he said, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? You don't even know that you're uh, to be born again? Because a lot of people go through a lot of religious exercise. They come to church, they throw in a few dollars in the offering, they may sing in a choir, they may do a dance, they may serve as an usher and all of that. And these things, people believe that because they're coming in the church and doing these religious duties, that they're automatically um, saved. And that's 
Far from it, because you cannot work for your salvation. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you work for, because if you work for it and you get some wages, then that's not a gift. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages, the payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. And if you work for it, then it's not, it's not, it's not a gift. And we know that we cannot go to heaven because of the work that we've done. So true Christians know this. They know that they are born again. And um, that's a work that is done by God. It's not something you work for or earn. For, um, you know, it tells you, in, even back in the first chapter of John, John made it clear. He says here in verse 11, well, um, yeah, we could read that. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name, believe, placing your trust in, not in anything that you do. And see, this is the thing that we need to make clear, that people know that just because you came to church, don't make you a Christian. Just like being born in a garage, don't make you a car. And being born on the farm, don't make you an animal. And being born in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. It is a relationship with God, and every individual have to make that for themselves. I can't make it for my children, and they cannot make it for me. This is a response that they have to do. So look at what it says, though, in John um, chapter 1. Look at verse 12. It's a verse 12 says, But to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name, those that believe and receive. And then look at verse 13. Very interesting here. Verse 13 says, Who were born not of natural descent, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man. This is done by God, but of God. Salvation comes from the Lord. And that is the key. You know, I, I tell you, and I, I can't emphasize it um, enough, that being born again is individual. You have to go to God, and this is the thing. This is how you become a believer. First of all, you acknowledge that you are a sinner, because if you are not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. And a lot of time, oftentimes, we speak to people about the gospel, and they tell you, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I do this and I do that. It doesn't matter about what you do. It's what God has done. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform that good work until the day of Jesus Christ. God started the work. He is the one that starts the work. In um, John chapter 6, it tells you that no one, no one can come. 644, John 644, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come. So here in John chapter 6, and actually John chapter 6 give us a few um, things that we need to think about. Now in verse 37 of John chapter um, 6, um, Jesus says this, Everyone that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. So the one that the Father gives, the Father is the one that gives. Then if we look down at verse 44, it says here that um, no one can come. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up. You see, over and over in this chapter, you'll see the promise. It's a key repeated phrase in this chapter. 
I will raise him up on the last day. So once you, the Father draws you, once you are given to Jesus from the Father, you will be raised up on the last day. You don't lose your salvation. You are raised up on the last day. And then here in verse 45, it says, Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. So when you listen and you learn um, from the Word of God, you're going to come because the Bible is what points us to Jesus. The Old Testament points to him, and the New Testament reveals him to us. And then um, verse um, chapter um, 6, in, still in chapter 6, uh, verse 63, it says here, Actually, not 63, but verse 65. Jesus said this. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. This is an awesome deal, folks. So we're going to take a break right here, and we'll be right back. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I am Danica Bourne. And we are the owners of South Coast Tax. We wanted to send a prayer out to all of our listeners experiencing illness, financial hardship, and stress during this temporary challenge we are all facing. It is a difficult holy season, but we are in this together with you as our family, and we are united as one. At South Coast Tax, we know God has all of us in his arm, protecting us and always guiding us to where we need to be in life. In Psalms 91, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from every deadly disease. He will cover us with His feathers. He will shelter us with His wings. His faithful promise are our armor and protection. We will not only survive, but we will thrive and rise up with our Lord's help. God has placed you right where you need to be, and your family at South Coast Tax will be right beside you throughout this journey. Hello, friends. This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win. I've got some exciting news in addition to listening to us on Faith Talk FM 92.7 and AM 1500. You can now stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap Choose News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. As the will of the student goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place. The film about Corey Ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers, heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corey's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes the return to the hiding place, the untold behind-the-scenes true story of Corey's secret army of student teenagers efforts to rescue Jewish people told by Hans Poley, one of Corey's teens in the resistance. Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground true breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Rice Davis. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code Detroit. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code Detroit. Due to historical content, it might not be suitable for the younger audience. When singer-songwriter Jeremy Camp's wife died 100 days after they were married, raised a lot of questions for Jeremy. I remember even when I was reading about Jesus saying, if you have faith, I'll heal you. I have faith. I remember taking my Bible and saying, I had faith, you know, and throwing across the room and just, I did. I had those questions. How Jeremy Camp learned to walk by faith. Next time on Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. 
Listen for Family Life Today, weekday mornings at Well, praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome back to Bible Talk. This is Evangelist Anita Campbell with you tonight, and we are looking at the characteristics of true Christian. And so far, for those of you that are just tuning in, I know you like to write down notes and everything, but you can call in, too. It's okay. The number to call, 866-423-9578, to be a part of the discussion. But I I suspect that you are enjoying um, the lesson so far. So we're looking at the, the characteristics of true Christian because, you know, the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 to let a man examine himself, to see, to test yourself, to see if you are in the faith. We need to do examination. We need to check ourselves sometimes so that we don't wreck ourselves. And sometimes you can think you're okay and everything is going well, but it takes a little bit of examination sometimes. The Bible tells us to do that. So as we're looking at it, we talked about um, John chapter 13, where Jesus says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, in that you have love one towards another. Love is marked. Your life is is marked by love. And on that topic of love, too, I wanted to look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because this lets you know the characteristic. This is what love looked like. And I think sometimes as believers, it's good for us to remind ourselves of these things, because sometimes we can act some kind of way that um, that is far from the scriptures. So here in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and we just are going to just take a little trip here to just look at the characteristic. What does love look like? What does the scripture say? And so here in First um, Corinthians chapter thirteen, I'm turning there. It, it talks about it give you the characteristic of love, and it says here, if I speak. Um, with the tongue of men and of angels, but does not have love. I am a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I, I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then here it is. Here it is. This tells you what love looks like. Love is patient. It is patient. It is not, you know, um, you know, in a rush, 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 rush. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrong. This is so key. Because as believers, sometimes we keep a record of wrong. Somebody do something to us, and they may tell you they're sorry, and you still hold a grudge. You still hold it against them. Love does not do that. So you've, you know, And so we need to really examine ourselves by the word of God. Love is, all of this is what love is. And so if you look at your life and you're not patient, you're not kind, you envy, you're boastful, you're arrogant, you're rude, you're not, and you're self-seeking, irritable, and keeping a record of wrong, then you need to really ask God to, to, to help you. 
because that is not what love looks like. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, and it endures all things. And then he tells you, love never ends. So there it is, the love. And Jesus um, is letting us seek. So he says by this, that all men know that you're his disciple because that you have love towards one another. And so here you have it here. This is a characteristic of love. So that's the first thing. Jesus said that you're known by love. His disciples are known by love. And then the next thing that we looked at, um, we're born again. You are born again. And a born again person, Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. Their action, the things that they do, by their fruit. So a person can tell you, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I've been saved. I've been baptized. And then you look at their lives. They're still, nothing has changed. They're still doing the same thing. And you know, there has to be some change. Everything don't leave you overnight, but there should be some ch- tangible change to say that you are a believer, a follower of Christ. So then, so you're born again, according to um, John 3 and 3. And so as we are looking at being born again, you know, it's not just because you go to church, because a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a born again believer. What does that mean? Is there any change in your life? And then Jesus goes on in, um, to talk to Nicodemus as he was telling him that he must be born again. Jesus went on to give um, Nicodemus a demonstration. And this is what he said to Nicodemus. He went back to the Old Testament. And this is what he said to Nicodemus. He told him that just as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And a lot of people sometimes use this scripture out of context because they say they think that praise and worship is um, lifting up Jesus. And, and it is in a sense, but in this text right here, that's not what it's talking about. Jesus is telling Moses what was said back in Numbers chapter 21. And I'm going to turn to Numbers 21 so that you can see um, where Jesus was coming from here. And when he was talking to um, Nicodemus, now Nicodemus was a, a Jew, uh, um, one of the scribes, the Pharisees. So here, they are students of the law, and they would have known this story. So Jesus goes back here um, to Numbers chapter 21, and we can pick it up around verse 5. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread for our water, and we detest this wretched food. Ungrateful. Then the Lord sent poisonous snake among the people. And they bit them so that many of the Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray for us, intercede with the Lord, so that he will take the snakes away from us. And then Moses interceded for the people. And then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image, make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten look at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone that was bitten um, looked at the bronze snake, he would recover. So this is what Jesus is talking to Moses about. He's telling him, just as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, and the reason why the serpent was lifted up was because the people had sinned. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, he said, just as Moses, in verse 14 here, He said, just as Moses lifted up the snake or the serpent in the wilderness, 
so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then he goes on to tell him that God so loved the world and all of that. But the key here is Jesus is telling Nicodemus how you are born again. You're placing your trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And when Jesus said that when he's lifted up on that cross, anyone that looks to him for salvation, knowing that they cannot save themselves, knowing that they're a sinner. And see, that's the thing. When a person, this is how you're born again. You come to God and you let him know that you are a sinner. You have sinned against a holy God. And how do we know that? None of us can keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given to show us that we are sinners. And so once you get the picture that you are a sinner, the next thing is to find somebody to save you. And so when you place your trust, since you cannot save yourself, you go to the one who can save you. And when you place your trust, because Jesus said in John fourteen six that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, woman, boy, or girl comes to the Father but by me. Placing your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, that and that alone is what causes you to be born again. No other way. There's people that think, oh, we can go five other ways, we can do this and we can do that. There is only one way. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus is that only way. And when we place our trust, when we come to him, admitting, crying out to him, letting him know that we are a sinner in need of a savior, and that then you let the Lord know that you have placed your trust in what he did on the cross. And see, this is the thing. A lot of people are looking at their good works. You know, they have different type of religion out there, and some people believe my good works outweigh my bad work, and all kind of little different little formulas people have. But your good works, how do you know if you have enough good works? Is there a number that you need to meet? And does anybody know what number that is? And then who determines if it's a good work? You could do something with a selfish motive, and, um, and so that's not considered a good work. So you, your system doesn't work. Placing your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, and this is what he's trying to tell um, Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So this is how you are born again. You place your trust in what he did on the cross, and then he goes on to tell you, for God so loved the world, and because of this love that God has, he he got some action to go with it, that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then he goes on to say, anyone who believes in him is not condemned. This is how you know that you're a true Christian, that you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in what he did on the cross. And and the thing is, you don't want to just have a lot of head knowledge. A lot of people have head knowledge. There's a lot of scholars out there. They know the, 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 know, the, the theory of the Bible. But the thing is this, you can know about something and it doesn't affect you, just like soap. You can know about soap. You can have soap from Jamaica, from Africa, from Sweden, from England. You can have all the soap in the world stacked on your shelf. You have written down the number 
of um, the ingredients that is in it. You know the amount of wax in the soap. You know the amount of perfume. You know about all the preservative that is in that soap. And you can know all of this, and this is wonderful. But until that soap come off the shelf and hit your washcloth with some water and get on your skin, you can still know about the soap and still stink. It's not what you know. It's what are you doing with what you know. Is there a relationship? You want to have an ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are talking to the Lord. You are praying. That's the key. The communication line is open. You are talking to the Father. You're reading his word. You're hearing um, what he's saying to you. And so that relationship develops each day as you're spending time with him. Because when you um, are a true Christian, you want to be with Christ. You want to be reading his word. So here... So those are two things that we covered, and I had a, a nice little list here. Okay, so we recognize that we are marked by love. By this shall all men know you're my disciple. And, of course, a true Christians are born again. You're born a second time. You were born in, um, from your mother's womb, but now you're born of the Spirit. Your eyes are open, and then you're controlled by the Spirit. So here, another thing about true Christians, they are controlled by the Spirit, not their sinful nature. They're controlled by the Spirit of God. And let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit is upon you and in you, you can deal with some situation. You know, people can get you upset. They can get you mad. And the Holy Spirit just hold you together. And while you're listening to them putting you down and doing whatever they want to do, you are praying for those individuals. Because Jesus said this, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. You don't want to take vengeance. A lot of Christians try to take vengeance in little slick ways. They do things or say things or whatever in little slick ways to hurt you. But you don't have to worry about that. Your job is to pray for them. Actually, Matthew 5, 44 tells you what to do for your enemy. Love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for those that despitefully use it. That's what Jesus said. And so if you just do that, love, bless, do good, and pray. That is the only way. And so you're controlled by the Spirit. So let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 as we look and see what the Word of God says. Because this is our manual here. This book is our guide. And so as we read this book, it tells us how to live. A lot of people don't know how to live as believer because, guess what? They're not reading the manual. When you buy a car from Ford Motor Company, you get a manual with that car. It tells you how the car is supposed to run. It shows you when something is wrong and when something is not wrong. So you have that manual, and it, it guides you. Well, this book, the Bible, that is our guide. And let's see what Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 have to tell us here. It said, how you, however, are not in the flesh. A believer is not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And so the Spirit of God, when you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in to your life. And so here now, you don't have to act crazy. Back in the day, you curse somebody out. You can't curse out six people looking for the number seven. But now you're saved. You have the Holy Spirit. And so you, your body is become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now you have to do things differently. And so we're going to take a break right here and we'll be right back. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. 
but not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash HR. That's bamboohr.com slash HR. There are two radio stations in this city that focus on good news. One has the good news about the economy, jobs, consumer confidence, and the defeat over ISIS. One has the good news about the victory over the cross. One is all about the here and now. The other is all about eternity. To get through the day, you need both. So when you want to know more about the day's news and what to think about it, turn to FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. If you want to change your life, turn to FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Faith Talk Detroit. Hello, friends. This is Evangelist Anita Campbell, host of Bible Talk. I've got some exciting news now. In addition to listening to us on 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap the News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun. Sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. The team at MyPillow is grateful for you. So grateful they have an amazing offer. Buy one, get one on their incredible sheet sets. Mike Lindell has come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. He finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. Mike guarantees they will be the most comfortable sheets you've ever owned. The first night you sleep on a Giza Dream Sheet, you may never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors, and like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free. Call 800-919-5912. That's 800-919-5912. Or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code RUNTOWIN at checkout. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome back to Bible Talk. This is Evangelist Anita Campbell with you, and we're continuing looking at the characteristics of true Christians. Um, So here we are. We have covered so far that um, love is the mark. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples in that you have love one towards another. And then the number two thing that you are born again. I probably should have that first, born again. You are born again. That is the mark of a true Christian. You have placed your trust. No, first of all, you have recognized that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior. You're not a good person. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a good person. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I walk the lady across the street, all of these things that I do. But it's not about what you have done. It's what about what Jesus did. 
He died on the cross for your sin, and putting your trust in that, admitting to him that you are a sinner. We're all guilty sinners. If you look at um, the way we look at it, and it, life is like a big, could be likened to a big courtroom, and all of us are guilty. God the Father is the judge. He has that prison to put us in, um, hell, and we don't need a lawyer in this courtroom because we know that we're guilty. And so we come to this court and, you know, we recognize that we are sinners and God has um, uh, gave us his son, gave us his son to uh, die on the cross for us. And so um, we put that trust in him, placing our trust in him and him alone, nothing else, nothing else at all. And then he give us that eternal life when we place our trust. So as we're in this courtroom, just picture yourself in this courtroom. You're guilty of sin. You and you are deserving of God's prison, which is hell. The, Jesus Christ comes into the courtroom. The door opens, and Jesus comes in, and he says, Your Honor, I will take the punishment. He takes our sins, nails them to the cross, gives us his righteousness. So we don't have our own righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ, the one who paid the price for our sin. And so when we place our trust in him and accept the offering, of um, what Jesus did on the, Christ, on the cross, that is how we are saved. We cannot be saved by ourselves. We, there's, it tells you in uh, Titus 3 and 5 that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. And it's hard for a lot of people to let go because, you know, there are people that just like to be in charge and I got to do this and I got to do this, but it is not about what you do. It is what about it's, what, it's about what he has done, and he died on the cross for our sin. He is the propitiation. When you read First John chapter 2, he is the propitiation. He is the payment for our sin, and not just for ours, but for the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world. And so when people accept the fact that their sins, sin problem, that their the sin had been paid for, Jesus paid the price on the cross. And when you put your trust in that, that and that alone. It's not that plus something else. It's all, he did it all. He paid it all on the cross. And then not only that, he continues to forgive you when you fall short because we're not sinless, but we should be sinning less and less. And so because we're not sinless, we fall short again. But the scripture give us um, the remedy for that. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, go to God and tell the truth. Tell him the truth that he already knows. If we confess our sins and be in agreement with God that what we did is wrong, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And not only that, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is what we have, folks. And it is an awesome deal. And so when we come to Christ and we place our trust in him as our Lord and Savior, we get righteousness. And because we have that righteousness, we can do Hebrews 4.16. We can go boldly to the throne of grace where we may find help in the time of need. That is an awesome deal. And so it just seems so easy sometimes. People just, you know, think it can't be that easy. I've got to do something, but there's nothing you can do. And that's why God sent his son. If mankind could take care of their own sin, Jesus would not have to come and die on the cross. The word of God tells us that no man, no man can redeem the life of another. That's what the scripture says um, in Psalms 47 here. No man 
can redeem the life of another or give God a ransom for many, um, for, the, for, for themselves. No man can do that. So we come to God, lay out our sin problem to him, let him know that we are sinners that are in need of a Savior. And when you lay that out, the God of heaven comes in and takes up residence in you. You have the Holy Spirit. Your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is why you, your behavior change, Because now you are filled with the Spirit of God who is your teacher, your leader, your guide, your peace, your supernatural peace. You have a supernatural help. All right. So um, a true Christian are marked by love. They're born again. They're controlled by the Spirit. Like it says in Romans um, chapter 8, and verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. So we see we need the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling on the inside. And then we've, we move on to um, Galatians um, 4 and 6. You know, the spirit of Christ dwelling in their hearts. That's the thing. And this is part of the new covenant. He said that he would going to put his spirit in us. And the spirit in us, Ezekiel chapter 36, let us know that this spirit that was going to be in us was going to cause us to walk right and to do what is right in God's sight. So I'm going to, I'm going here to Galatians chapter four, um, just to read um, this verse. So that you know that what I'm telling you comes from the word of God, not from first and second opinion. Here it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we have the spirit. A believer has the spirit of God dwelling in them. And that's why there's changes. You can't change yourself. But when the Spirit of God moves in, just like it says in Ezekiel, and let me go there for, real quick. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it lets us know that God is going to give us a new heart. He's going to put his Spirit in, in us. And it's the Spirit in us is going to cause us to do what is right. See, we have help. We have supernatural help. So here in Ezekiel 36, and I'm beginning here in verse 25, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities or filthiness and all your idols. And check this out. I will give you a new heart. New heart. God is going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to take a break right here. And we'll be right back. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The decision handed down this week by the Supreme Court of the United States expanding the sex discrimination clause of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include the categories now of LGBTQ is going to be one of those decisions that will have massive and dangerous impact as a precedent. It's going to go down as one of those decisions in the history of the Supreme Court of the United States that will set the trajectory for our culture. And that is very lamentable. To argue that sex discrimination in 1964 had anything to do with the letters LGBTQ is irrational and it is intellectually dishonest. Justice Samuel Alito in dissent got it exactly right when he said that what the court did this week is not to judge but rather to legislate. And that is not what the Constitution calls upon the court to do. 
It's a sad day in American constitutional history, and it sets the stage for even more sad days in our future. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. This message is for anyone looking for $500,000 to $1 million or more of affordable term life insurance, even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or taking anxiety meds. Here's an example. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe overweight with type 2 diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about $200 a month. We're Term Provider, experts in finding affordable term life insurance for those that may not be in perfect health. If you've had prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or on prescription medications, you may still qualify for half a million to a million dollars or more of affordable term life insurance. Get a quick quote by calling Term Provider at 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. If you're looking for term life insurance but have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085 or visit Term Provider.com. Termprovider.com. When the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, that changes everything, including our relationships. That's our subject Wednesday on Truth for Life. Alistair Begg continues our study in the book of Ephesians, a study titled Life Together. Listen to Truth for Life Wednesday. Alistair Begg. Weekday mornings at 8.30 on FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Faith Talk, Detroit. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Emery Moss, host of Bible Talk. I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us on 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap the News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome back to Bible Talk. This is yours truly, Evangelist Anita Campbell here with you. And we are not finished with our topic, so maybe next time we will um, finish the rest of it. But as we look at, as we look at um, the things that um, the characteristic of a true Christian, they're born again. They, um, they're marked by love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciple. They are controlled by the Spirit, not their sinful nature according to Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 9. They have the Spirit of Christ indwelling their heart, Galatians 4, 6. And let's just look at what Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us here about that what happens when the Spirit of God is in you. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And I will save you from all your uncleanness. So we have the Holy Spirit of God moving in to us. 
the Holy Spirit. And see, this is where the change comes, because when you have the Holy Spirit in you, he, you, all, you know this, he, he will always be with you. Psalms 139, when you have the Holy Spirit, you are never alone. A lot of times people feel like they're all alone and they have no one. Listen, when you have the Holy Spirit of God, he will be with you always. He will search our hearts and show us what it is that we need to change. So if you're doing things that, that, that is contrary to, be, to what a believer should be doing, then the Holy Spirit in you is going to show you what it is that you need to change. And the scripture, let, let us see that. Uh, he will give you the ability to do the things we need to do. Th- the things that God has told you to put off and put on, you're going to be able to do that because you're not by yourself. The Holy Spirit in you is going to help you to get it done. So having the Holy Spirit is huge, you know, because then you recognize that you're not alone and things, you can get some things done because you're not by yourself. You have help to do it. Um, the Holy Spirit also will lead us and guide us in this life. The guidance and the leading. Some of us just have, you know, we just want to do things our own way. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, gentle and still small voice and tells you to just go the other way. And you think, you know, I always go this way. So I'm going to go this way. And then you have a roadblock and you're there for a couple hours when it could have been a few minutes if you had just gone the way the Holy Spirit says. He is our teacher, our leader, and our guide. Um, the Holy Spirit. He will show us the truth and teach us. John chapter 14, um, verse 26, and John 15, 26. The Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you, show you the truth. And then you have a resident living counselor, resident counselor. He will counsel you and help you. You know, a lot of times we just run off and do things. We don't even ask our resident counselor, um, what do you think about this? Or should I do this? You know, but we have help. We don't call on the help that we have, but we have help. He will help us to live the life we need. God has given us the Holy Spirit. Our body become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells here. And so this is why we're careful in what we do, the things that we say, the places we go, what we put into the temple, the things we watch. We are the temple. And you don't want to desecrate and violate the temple. Uh, he will help us to live the life we need to live for Christ. He will correct us. The Holy Spirit correct and convict. When you, are, when you do wrong, the Holy Spirit will let you know. If you're a believer, you're not going to be able to do wrong for too long. Because the Holy Spirit is going to, the alarm is going to go off. And you're going to be miserable. And because you're not doing what is right. And then the Holy Spirit will change us. He comes in, he moves in, and he changes us. So those are some of the things that we have when we come to Christ, and it, and it, we see that evident in a new believer. Also, Second Corinthians five seventeen tells you, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. When you come to Christ, true, true Christians are new creature. You might know somebody for years, and they might have been on drugs and all of that. They come to Christ, and their lives change. They're new creature. The old is gone. Here comes the new. And um, some things, like I said, don't go away overnight, but we should see a process of things going away, sinless, sinning less and less. And so we recognize we're new creatures, new creation in Christ, just like a butterfly um, never goes back to being a worm. Once the butterfly becomes a butterfly, 
It is flying. It is looking at things from above. It's not even crawling in dust anymore. It is seeing things differently. And the same thing for a new Christian, a new believer. Your life has changed. You're a new creature in Christ. And so it's like the light come on. You've been walking around all your life in a dark room. You're stumbling over the chair or the table. But now you come to Christ and the light is on. And you can go around those obstacles. You can go around the chair. You can go around the table. You don't have to stumble around in darkness anymore because you're a new creature and the light is on. And so when you receive um, Christ, um, there tre- tremendous spiritual change take place. And you know things that you used to do, you don't even like to do those things anymore. You know, the, thing, it, you know, you, the way you used to dress, you don't want to dress that way anymore. Things have changed. And because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that is the awesome deal about being um, a believer. So I just want to uh, share with you, um, just uh, thanking you for tuning in. Um, thank you for tuning in. My time is running out. But um, you can tune in to our services on um, YouTube. I do teach a, um, a class during the week, a teleconferencing line. And um, next time I'll be able to um, give you that information. But um, we are enjoying ourselves as we study, learn how to study our Bibles and how to apply the Word of God. And so that is the key. So um, next time, I will be talking about that. In the meantime, uh, you guys continue to read your Bible, spending that time with the Lord, seeking His face, not just His hand, but you're seeking His face. Because when you seek His face, you get everything that comes with that. Everything that comes with him, when you seek the God of heaven and you just delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. God bless you and talk to you next time. Sponsored by Bible Bootcamp Ministries. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.